Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where super modifieds are king, methanol is aromatic, and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Tom Baker. Hello and welcome to the Inside Groove Super Modified Podcast. My name is Tom Baker. I'm the host of the show and it is great to be back again, um, especially because I know this is the second show I've done this week. And boy, if I had my way, I would do a show every day that talks about racing and we're I'm actually that is that has always been a goal is to do a daily racing show. And it would be a show that that kind of covers a wide swath, right? Cause you can't, you know, you can't, um, you, you can't cover every kind of racing there is, but, um, you know, but I, I, I would envision a two to three hour daily show that would, would air live and, um, you know, and, and then people could listen to it at work or, you know, whatever. And, you know, you're mowing the lawn or whatever, but you do a, a Monday to Friday daily show. That is something I've always wanted to do. Um, just haven't been able to, it, the, the hard part with that is obviously you've got, at that point, it's a massive production because you're, you're, you, you can't, nobody's going to sit, nobody should sit and listen to me ramble for three hours, right? Even I don't want to do that. <laughs> So if you think about how your sort of ESPN talk shows are or whatever, your Dan Patrick shows, all of that, there's sort of a, it's a daily talk show that happens to focus mostly on sports and they also, but they also have other, you know, other people on when it's feasible and when it kind of ties into something that's relevant to sports. Um, and so you know, the example that comes to mind is Dan Patrick, you know, obviously as a sports talk show, he actually had Getty Lee, the lead singer from Rush, the bass player lead singer from Rush on one time because Getty is a big Toronto Blue Jays fan and he's a he's an avid um, collector of baseball memorabilia. And he's got some really like rare, you know, big time value stuff from the sport of baseball. Um which he discovered uh, because, you know, when you're a rock band on a tour, you play late into the evening, you're, you're, you're up late. So you sleep late. So you, you know, his, it, he would pass the time in the, the hotel in the afternoons watching Cubs games. That's how he, so there's a, there's sort of a fascinating way that, that, his life intersected with sports. So therefore, you know, Dan Patrick had him on one time and they talked baseball and it was fun. It was cool to watch that. I'm a big, I was always and still am a major rush fan. So it was, it was fun to sort of see Getty in that context. And I don't know that they really talked too much about rush in that. It was more just about Getty's love for baseball. And so, um, you know, and he's, he, I've, I've seen video of some of his, the, the baseballs, um, Babe Ruth signed baseballs or whatever that he has. It's just amazing. So anyway, that's kind of, I don't know why I got on that tangent, but that's always been my dream is to do a daily show like that that would focus around motorsports. But 
would sort of be a wide swath because really, if you think about what racing is, what motorsports is, it's a lifestyle and it is, it is a sport about people and families and ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And there's just so much to it. Um, and so much different racing going on out there. And again, there's interesting stories everywhere, right? So like, I've always had this goal of sort of being a, a, a media, a brand that brings the car community, the motorsports community together and, and sort of takes forms of racing like super modifieds, like carts, like some of the, um, lower level, uh, endurance racing series and puts them out there in front of a lot of people who don't know about them. I'm not sure how aware most people are that you can, you can go. I just had a driver. Um, one of my drivers ran what's called the VIR 24 over the weekend. It's a 24 hour endurance race that ran at Virginia international raceway. And this was sanctioned by the champ car series. It used to be called jump cars and it has come miles since those days. They changed the word jump to champ and boy, they are really Boris said was there. His kid was racing in it and um, they've had Blaney and some of the other guys that have run their events like at Coda or whatever, just to get road course racing experience. They get about 80 cars a weekend now think about this. If you're just wanting now, obviously, if you're only into say super modifieds and that's all you care about racing, but if you're just somebody who wants to, to get racing experience and have fun racing something, you, um, my client ran with a, a team based in, in his area. Um, and he ended up with about six hours of track time out of that 24. And um, I think that it averaged out to be somewhere around $400 an hour, four to $500 an hour. I might be off by a hundred, maybe it was six. But think about that. Six hours of actual track time, 80 cars, you know, all kinds of traffic passing racing through the night. If that's what you want to do, like, um, you know, each driver can only run so much, uh, of the, the distance, but, um, it's a huge value for someone who enjoys doing, especially if you enjoy doing the road course stuff, it is a really inexpensive way series like, um, NASA and champ car and even SCCA, um, are really, really affordable ways to go racing and have fun doing it. And, but, and some of those guys can drive like they're really talented racers, but it, it just doesn't get, I mean, the whole thing was on champ cars, YouTube, um, channel. And so, um, it's, it is live streamed, but it just doesn't get a lot of mainstream publicity. And I think more people need to know about series like that because, um, not only is it fascinating to, to go and be a part of, I went to Sebring last year when, when Edward ran 
um, his race the week before Christmas, 86 degrees in, <laughs> in Florida the week before Christmas. Um, no, sorry, it was two years ago in 21. Um, 86 degrees. I mean, can't beat that. It was fun. It's a great race. Um, a lot of fun to watch. You know, everybody's in their own classes, just like you see in the, the IMSA racing. And um, not only is it great training, um, if you want to move up in that uh, discipline, but um, it's just a lot of fun. It really is. So, again, that was, uh, sorry, I kind of went off on that tangent, but um, just the idea to say that, that, that me doing two shows in one week, especially, uh, you know, about Super Modifieds when we're running up to classic time, I love this. <laughs> This is great. So um, happy to be back and, and doing this. Um, this is episode 124. So we're going to talk about the number 24 later in its and its relevance to Oswego Speedway and Super Modified Racing. And um, we've got two guests today. Jeff Abel going to join us and Camden Proud going to join us. So this one's probably I, I have not done the interview with either one of them yet as I record this. Um, they're they're coming up basically i get done with this and then i go to jeff and then i go to cam and then um we put it all together and get it out for you asap um no later than saturday hopefully friday um so it's um you know it's going to be fun and this will be a longer show i'm sure because cam and i will have a lot to talk about um and, you know, because I've been away, so we've had a number of races. We obviously won't get into the huge detail of finishes for all of them necessarily, but we'll, we'll, we'll have good, as good, you know, discussion as we can. And uh, want to do a preview of the classic as well. Um, and so that's what you got to look forward to in this show. Hope you're going to enjoy it. Want to thank uh, all of our sponsors, JNS Paving, um, LaGroff's Pub, and IPC Indy. And all of them um, going to be at Classic. Every one of them. Why? Because Jeff West is coming. If you missed episode 123, go back and listen to it. That car is beautiful. It's done. It's ready to go. And Bobby Santos has entered the 67th International Classic. And so uh, look forward to that. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get things kicked off with Jeff Abold on the Inside Groove. Stay with us. Okay, folks, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors here on Inside Groove, Indie Performance Composites. They're a premier composite design and manufacturing company creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Jeff West and his team are amazing. They do all kinds of work in the motorsports industry from dirt tracks. Welcome back to the Inside Groove Super Modified podcast. And we have got joining us on the show a triple crown winner. And uh, we're going to ask him how it feels to hear that. Uh, Jeff Abold is back with us again. And uh, Jeff, it's been a while since we've had a chance to chat. So I want to get straight to the point here. The Sandusky High Miler, the triple crown, that was something I know that was it was so important to you. It's such a bucket list item and a goal for you to finally get that uh, that win to match the Star Classic and the and of course the International Classic at Oswego. Um, what was it like to finally pull it off? Oh, it's it it was amazing with it. It's um it was kind of you know something in my post race interview I said where. Um, my racing goals, I've always kind of kept safeguarded and, you know, you never know what's, what's going to happen with everything. So kind of just keep my own mental lists of what I want there. But, 
this that was right at the top um, to be able to do it. You know, uh, even throughout your career and everything, just trying to do it and just trying to reach hit those events and everything with it. Um, each event is so unique and so tough in its own way, and uh, to complete each one of them is um, it was just it, both um, so exciting and such a relief at the same time. Um, just, just hitting that milestone and it, uh, yeah, coming, hitting that checkered flag and coming around. Um, yeah, I talked about it there too. It was just, it was, I got pretty emotional and everything as I'm doing that kind of cool down lap and coming down and I bet. You, know, you, you see your crew. It was just, it, it's, it was an amazing feeling. It's just, it's a, it's a feeling that you're, uh, you're always trying to chase and you're always there. And it's something I hope I can experience at some point again in my life, just cause it's, it's such a, it's such a unique, cool feeling. Well, it's uh, it's hard enough to do it once, let alone to do it all twice, right? Uh, I don't know if anybody's done it twice, actually. Um, but uh, you're one of, I think, six now that have done it once. And golly, what a, what an amazing list of people! So let's let's uh, just kind of talk about the weekend a little bit. There's always a Friday night race there, and then you've got, of course, the High Miler on Saturday. Walk us through your Friday and talk about kind of because that always I feel I feel like you know you're going to do well on Saturday if you do well on Friday. If you have an issue on Friday, it seems like Saturday is that much harder, even if just from the stress of having to overcome the bad Friday. So how did Friday go for you? Yeah, um, Friday, Friday this year was very tough as far as um, just weather-wise and everything. We showed up there, and you're about 95 degrees with, I think it was 100% humidity and everything, so you're already Ooh. facing that challenge. Yeah, and huge, huge rainstorms all the way through, and oh. um, it's just, uh, you know, that part of it right there is the initial challenge of it. When you get out of the truck, and within five minutes, you're just soaked, sweating, and um, then uh, going through the day, we we're, we we're pretty good we've kind of um hit on a setup there that i think has been comfortable for me and um you know we're we're pretty good speed through practice and everything time trials i i wasn't very happy where i ended up and everything i think i i kind of missed it a little bit just we're we're off on setup wise and um but heading into the feature i won won the heat and everything so i was happy there car was was pretty good we made some good changes and then going into the the feature friday i went i uh uh, with the pill dry, p- pulled uh, 12, which is the worst oh, spot I, I could possibly pull. So um, that already set up a challenge, but I was able to get up to fifth place and um, really felt uh, pretty racy and the car was fast. So uh, I was happy there, just, you know, kind of ran out of time. And you still have some really fast cars on the track. So yeah. I had, uh, gave me a pretty good amount of confidence going into Saturday that we were on a pretty good track. We we're in the, you know, in the ballpark. And that's, like you said, that's, it's a good feeling when you know you're at least in the ballpark yes. setup wise. They're not chasing that. Um, it's a big difference from Friday night to Saturday there. The track just just a completely different racetrack and uh, obviously a completely different race. But it's nice knowing that you're you're close. You know you're there. You have something to work with. So that's that's kind of where we ended our Friday night. So, uh, like you said, going into Saturday, you know you're fast, but the track tends to be completely different. So now talk us through the early part of Saturday and getting to the feature because there was a really good field of cars there this year, which I was real excited to to see for, for everybody involved. Yeah. And that's, that's the cool part, you know, from our standpoint too, you've got guys, um, you know, DJ Shula came out yep. and he's got his Oswego car, which he's been so fast with. And, um, you know, he was fast all weekend with it, but he's a top caliber driver. You've got Mike Ordway, who's been winning the high miler, uh, you know, it seems like at least yeah. every other year right there. 
Um, you've got um, Otto Sitterly, you know, multi-time champion, all this stuff. Mike McVetta, who's who's fast. So you had a stout field, and, and some guys who run, you know, Sandusky pretty much call their home track and everything. So kind of kind of feels like the old days a little bit when you had your your Ohio guys and you had your you know invaders coming yes. in and stuff. It kind of you know had that a little bit of the feel to it. So it's it's exciting as a driver going in there knowing. Hey, if I can win this thing, or if I can beat these guys, I'm, I'm beating the best that that there is right now here. So, um, that's what you're kind of going into Saturday. And you know, the first thing we kind of just take a look at where the track is. And usually by Saturday, there's a lot of rubber laid down. And uh, Friday there there wasn't. So um, it was uh, it was a pretty green racetrack there, just from you know storms and rain, just like we talked about. And um, yeah, so Saturday you're just trying to you know look at that and kind of um, you know weigh that into your setup and what you, what you're looking for there. So. Uh, same thing with it. We had a pretty good practice. I time trialed uh, much, much better where I was in the top five. And even at that, I, I got done and um, I was making changes to the car and doing things in it. And I actually think I was I was going backwards where I was making it uh, worse. And oh boy, um, that's where that's where dad came in. And I'm, I'm you know, we're, we're getting fast and we're doing that. But I think as far as race setup, I was getting farther and farther away where we need to be. And um my uh my dad really stepped in at that point he was um he was locked in that's i i thanked him initially <laughs> after the whole uh the victory and everything because um he was on it on that weekend and uh we had uh the whole the whole crew everybody everything was going smooth and with there but he was able to just focus on setup uh mike Silman's doing tires we had joey de stevens with us doing some oh nice help something yeah so we brought some extra and then our, our normal guys of uh, kenny bird and, and mike spath and everything that were really helping out but everybody had their jobs doing everything there and my dad was able to really just focus in on what do we need what's what's you know what's what's going on with jeff what's what's he feeling and uh I, like i said usually i'm trying to be in that respect and do it but it, it was he he locked right in like i said and made the right calls on the changes and kind of was going against even what i thought then as i got thinking i said you know what i, I think he's right on this and he was right on this so <laughs> it was it was a time where i could really trust his opinion and his um his experience at that racetrack and his success in that race and he knew he knew what we had to do and that was that was uh, key to the win so that was great well i i'm curious because like i think fans want to understand sort of the dynamic and i i i know your dad pretty well i think and i think i know you pretty well and you're both very intense people and so <laughs> what's what's the sort of dialogue that goes back and forth when you sort of initially maybe you disagree on something how does that how does that actually work was that a case of your dad going jeff you got to trust me here i know we're going i mean how does that what's that like it can be intense yeah i think that's <laughs> that's probably the best word for it um and we we have those moments all the time especially you know it's in the shop or we're traveling somewhere and um it, it's it, dis- disagreements are good i've always been um a fan of that for any type of a, um, a meeting or when yeah. you have a meeting of the minds, you do anything. Disagreement is, is great because it, it gets you to a, a conclusion that might be the best one that you didn't know was there. And that's exactly how this weekend worked out. And that's exactly how it was where, you know, dad saying, Jeff, I, I think we need to look at things this way. Do then, you know, that that's where I initially, Oh no, no, I just don't think that, you know, here's what I'm feeling. And you really get thinking about it. And then you look at your, you know, I have an extensive notebook on everything. I'm looking through notes and doing it. You said, you know, I, I think he's right on that. And this, this happens all the time through different races and, um, you know, all, all through history of it all and everything. But um, that's exactly what it is. It's just, and then you, you kind of have to put your own ego uh, aside on certain times. And um, it, sometimes it's, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there and you have to just admit, you know, I'm, I'm making mistakes here. This is, this is a problem. And 
Um, and then as soon as you get a win or you know that the car, and as soon as the green flag dropped, I knew we, okay, we made, we, we did the right stuff here. Um, it's, uh, it makes it all worth it. You know, the, sure. the intensity, the level to everything it's, it's okay. This is, this is why we're doing this. So, um, yeah, that's, that's always okay. As long as everybody, you can come full circle and there's, we, we never have an issue where anybody's going home mad or doing it. You always come to, and then we, we, you know, uh, find a right, right path that we're both happy with. And, um, you know, sometimes it doesn't doesn't work out, but you know, more often than not, it can it can work out for you. So you're kind of uh, the everybody's welcome to have that input and that opinion, and then you just figure out what's best to go forward. Yeah, that's it. Just based on whatever's happening in that day, uh, that you know, for that race, yeah. everything. But um, I'll take any any input from anybody, and I'm I'm always listening to things and. Um, take advice from our, you know, the, the, when I first got to Sandusky, the first year's running, I'm, I'm listening to Dave Schulich and some watching some of the other guys out there and really keying in on what, what are they doing differently? What are they, you know, if there's anything I can pick up on and, right. um, try to throw that into the mix and then, you know, hopefully come out with a good result. I remember hearing a story once about Richie Evans actually was it I think it was Shangri-La and some guy out of the stands came out and was telling him, you know, George Kent's doing this in the corner and you're doing that. I don't know if that it makes any difference to you. And Richie thought about it and he changed what he was doing and went out and passed Kent and won the feature. So, oh, yeah. At, I, I can't tell you how many times I've had that where somebody, you know, sends me a text or, hey, I was watching on lap this and then that, you know, your car was doing this and you get back to it and you know, you, you don't think much of it and then it kind of sticks in your head and then, you know, driving the car and going, you know, th- that person's right. It's, it's doing this <laughs> yeah. and they're doing so you never know where you can find some good, good information and everything. I agree. Well, that's uh well, and, and I think that that probably made it that much sweeter, right? Because after that whole sort of intense back and forth, you make the decision, you go for it and then it pays off and you win the thing. And, and, uh, you know, again, the triple crown is an awful big deal. And I know it was something that, um, you know, so many drivers have tried for and you finally got it. And and, and I think that it, 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 it probably would be even sweeter because you won all three of those races in a car that you and your family built. Yeah, it, it's it's just like you said right there. It's what makes it sweeter is it's um, obviously we've had help from everybody. I just listed there at the track and Mike sure. Someone's been with us the whole time. But um, my father and I building it doing that i'm sure everybody's sick and hearing about all that and everybody it's it's you know it's it's been him and i from the get-go doing that and him sure. and i you know come through and um it's uh it's it's that it's it's so cool when it is that way that you know sometimes it's it's weekends where i've i've stepped up and made the right decision or wrong decision sometimes it's him uh dad doing it and it it just makes it that much better when it's there and then you know just getting a big hug from him at the end of the race doing it and just you know Yeah, so it, it was just great having him there and, and um, you know, like I said, being the first one to come over, give me a big congratulatory hug and the rest of the crew and everything. And um, it's um, it, it just makes it that much sweeter when, you know, it is the same car, it is um, um, all the same place. And like I said, it's every race is so different from each other doing that. And uh, to be able to have some success at Oswego, some chum traveling with the Isma series and everything, it's it's pretty cool. It is for sure. Okay, so let's talk about Oswego for a bit because you've had kind of an up and down season there in some mostly ways. Down. Yeah, mostly <laughs> down. I wasn't going to say that. I was trying yes. to get optimistic, right? Um, but but of course we've got to, we've got a week now before, and then the classic comes up. So you got a you got an opportunity, and you you've got um, momentum to turn things around here. Um, 
what what are you looking at? What's been sort of the issues at Oswego this year for you? Talk a little bit about your season at the Big L. Yeah, uh, mostly we've we've been. It's hard to even say competitive with it. To be honest, we've been um, we've been okay. We've been consistently right around that top five um, area, and you know the last few years I feel like we've been in the top two, and even last year at this time we were right in the hunt for a championship and right close to it, right up to the last race. So um, this year we're still you were still vying for a second place spot. Uh, uh, DJ is going to be a little bit uh, far out of reach to try to get the championship, but it's so close right now. We're yeah. um, it's anywhere we could, I could finish anywhere from seventh or sixth to, I'm sorry, second to about seventh or so. Um, or, and then some, it's just so tight in that pack of cars right now, but, um, we've just been off. It's just, there's been various things where we've been trying some different setup stuff and some doing some different things, trying to, uh, um, case it. Um, I, some of it uh, has come down to a little bit, the, you know, the car was built 12 years ago and some certain things are, um, showing up there, we had to just do some updates and some different ah. stuff and get it more kind of, and I, I think, I think we've made gains on that. Um, I think this last week, actually Sandusky, I think we learned, um, a couple things on it, some things that were actually, that we weren't even trying to learn and doing. And all of a sudden it, um, you know, something, something showed itself on it. So we, we were able to apply that to last week. I found some more speed, but, it, uh, race pace and everything, um, the car just was going away too quickly. So, um, we might, we're, we're hoping we got a couple more tricks up our sleeve there and a couple more things we might, uh, hashed out and everything. So, but like you said, we got one more week to try to do it. And this week is obviously we're going to go out and try to win this race and, um, and get a podium or, or be up there. But, um, the, the big thing is trying to get ready for the classic and, um, we're kind of, you know, using these last couple races to try a few things out and see if we can get it just a little bit better for that. Cause classic wise, the last couple of years we've been, okay at best i would say but same thing there we need to we need to step it up if we want to try to win it for sure and that's what i was going to ask you is what what are you looking for in terms of the classic race this year because i feel like this is going to be the most competitive classic that we've had in a while because you got a few guys like ordway that you know because of the challenge series um are going to be in the field and they're going to be tough and so how do you, what, what did, what are your thoughts going into that race? Like you said, it, it, if you're off a little bit, I feel like you're going to be off a lot in that one. Yeah. It, for the length of the race and everything, it's, um, it, it, it's a tough, it's, it's a hard race, obviously, but, um, it's a strategy race. Um, there's different ways to run it and different ways to win it. Um, especially with the way that the, the last few years have gone with the arrow package and everything, it's, it's a little bit of a different race than it had been in, uh, years prior Explain to that. So. That. Um, well, with certainly with the amount of downforce we have and the way that the cars are balanced, um, and the cars are probably as close as they've ever been, um, you've been able to have some different paces, you know, like 2019 when we first had the new wing and everything, um, that was the year Tyler Thompson went out and, <laughs> and just took off yeah. and let in that typically we're all, all the guys that have been racing that forever. We're, we're all sitting there in the cars and I talked to some of the veterans after and same thing. They're all going, there's no way he'll last. He'll burn off the tires that, well, he didn't. And it's kind of been the way the race, it's, it's become more of a, a shootout, you know, race than it was um, that long distance, just hold on and hope your equipment holds out and everything. It's, it's become more of a, you know, you need speed and you need everything at the end of these more turning times at the end of these races uh, for classics that are, you know, rivaling what you do on a Saturday night. Yeah. So, uh, and that was never the case with it for years prior. So um, it's a little bit different than it was. It's still, obviously still, you have to have a, have tires on it at the end, everything. So you, you do have to, 
maintain your equipment to an extent, but it is a little bit of a different race. But just like you said, you're going to have a very stout field of cars. Um, some new guys coming in like Ordway, who's only one or only run, uh, one classic previous to this, actually, that was in 07. Yeah. I was just talking to him out there. So it's been so long. So he's, he, I know he's looking forward to it. Um, hopefully picking up some more guys. You got, you have some guys that are Isma regulars, McVetta who ran great last year, had a nice run, um, a few more, and hopefully we can pick up some more of the other competitors that are, you know, right at the top of the Isma standings and everything that are there. And, um, really make it out because it, it really should be the pinnacle of race where you have just there there shouldn't be anybody that's a super modified driver sitting on the sidelines hopefully would be the you know the the optimal goal and everything and get as many out there as you can but um, I think it's going to be a pretty pretty exciting race this year well last year I was surprised because there were so many lead changes in the first you know like half of the race like it like you said it was almost like everybody was running it like a sprint race instead of an endurance race yeah there's um it's what's been tough with it too is um even going back to uh the mid to uh sort of that that way with it um the, the way that we um, the way the arrow package is with it so uh yeah it it definitely is to the advantage to be out front especially when it comes time where it's kind of go time and and uh trying to take off in that race um so everybody's trying to vie now Sometimes some people like to go sooner, some go later. So that's where the excitement comes in of, you know, who's trying to go when and, and who wants to be out front and when. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely makes it uh, for a uh, more exciting race. For sure. And it's always been a race where traffic has made a big difference, especially coming down to the end. So you just hope that everybody's still on the track and uh, you get a good field out there where traffic plays a part. Because I think, especially for a fan, that's what you want to see is, uh, you know, guys battling it out and having to deal with slower cars and then who makes the right move, all of that sort of thing makes the classic what it is. Um, so mm-hmm. that's, that's uh, definitely a big thing too. So, um I would assume that it may not be too early to ask this question. What's up for 24? Do you, do you see yourself? Are you going to be coming back? Same car, maybe build a new one. What's, what's kind of, what are you thinking about for, uh, for 2024? Now that this season is, I can't believe I'm saying this, this season is almost over. That's why it's wild to say, um, you know, we, it's, it's all up in the air. I, I don't, I don't exactly know. I'm not, um, especially when you're we're, we're struggling the way we were trying to run for the championship and everything it kind of puts a uh takes the shine off of it where you're running for points and say mid-season out I'm, I, I don't think we're going to run for points again do that and then you can have some good races and that puts you right back into it so well yeah. maybe we'll do that and you know it's it, so it goes back and forth we've um we've talked about possibly taking everything we've learned and <clears throat> there's certain things on the car and everything that we we'd love to change it's just built into the car and it's what you have and um, it gets to a point where you say, well, we can either start cutting this up, making some changes, or you could start another car and do that and leave that. Obviously this car is a very competitive, good car. And, um, you know, and like I said, some things that we are hopefully going to change if, if things get really competitive and we're very happy, that's, it's, that's still your car that you're, um, you know, you're competing with, but yeah. I'd love to try a different challenge and do that. Um, and, um, and, and go for it, but it's, um, it's certainly a lot of work. It's, um, you know, I, I don't have to. I think everybody's pretty well aware of that, the amount of work that goes into all these cars and everything for it. um, You know, it's just something we've always gone back and forth on. And um, I don't know. I'm I'm really actually at this point, I'm I'm not sure. I kind of want to see how the rest of the season goes. Fair enough. uh, Yeah, see what that is. And then we'll we'll make some decisions and everything. But you'll certainly, we'll be out there racing in some way, shape, or form. So 
Good. Well, that's uh, that's the big thing that we hope is this. We want to see you back. And so uh, uh, look forward to see what comes of these decisions as you make them going forward. And in the meantime, let's talk about um, sponsors, crew, who helps you make it happen, because obviously this doesn't happen just with you and your dad alone. No. Yeah. Um, we have some sponsors on board this year. We had um, Sean Cathcart and LaGraff's Pub. Uh, uh, helping us out and everything there. Uh, Magic Wand Construction, um, Barzi Auto Body. Uh, Bob does all the painting and everything for us there. Um, Kathy Joy for all the graphics and everything. She does a wonderful job and does uh, yes, has helped us out over the years. So, um, and then uh, AMP Automotive uh, and um, uh, Boss Snow Plows of Central New York. Um, so all, all the help there that we get from everybody. Um, obviously, everybody on the crew. Um, obviously, my father. Mike Silman, who's been with us from the from the get go, always helping us. Um, Joey De Stevens for helping us out this year when he can, when he's not uh, too busy with his own own stuff, and when he can work cool. with us there. Yeah. Um, Ken Bird and Mike Spath, uh, Josh Rushlow, all their help, um, everything they've done. Um, and then I always have to thank my mother and my wife for everything and their support that they give me and allowing me to go out and play with everybody on the weekends. Yeah, you better not forget the women. I hear so many drivers, they forget to thank their wife or their mother or whatever, and it's just like, are you kidding me? What are you doing? <laughs> You're going to be important. in big trouble. <laughs> well, Jeff, it's uh, always fun to uh talk with you and i know that um you're you're getting ready for two big weeks of racing at oswego congratulations on the triple crown win and i hope that we uh get to get you back on again in the next couple weeks because that means you won something so uh uh, maybe we'll have a good reason to have you back soon yeah i'd appreciate that and that'd be great i uh i I appreciate every time you have me on here and uh always means did something cool so that's uh that's always fun so and uh, appreciate all the help you do for Super Modifieds. Well, thank you so much. Uh, appreciate you as well. And that is Jeff Abold. We will be back with more of the show right after this. Experience the age-old Irish hospitality at LaGroff's Pub and Grill, Oswego's premier local spot to grab a cold one and cheer on your favorite sports teams. Stop in for an ice cold beer alongside some exceptional pub fare. Burgers, wings, chicken sandwiches, Philly cheesesteaks, soups, and more. You want it, they've got it. Served up with more than 40 years of awesome customer service. Have a friendly game of darts against players from across the world. That's right, players from across the world. Where else in Oswego can you go to play darts against somebody from across the world? That's crazy. Watch the games on their eight big screen TVs, or just relax at Oswego's Neighborhood Bar and Grill, LaGroff's Pub, 187 East 10th Street in Oswego. Check them out on LaGroff's.com. Welcome back to the show, and Camden Proud has joined us now. Camden is uh, both a racer, at the Oswego Speedway in the super modified division as in big block supers. And, uh, he's also PR coordinator and, uh, does a lot of the writing and social media content that, uh, you see coming from the big O. So, uh, always great to have cam on the show. Cam also won his first ever super modified feature earlier this year. So, uh, Camden, we're, we're getting down to it, buddy. We just had, uh, just had what I thought was a very, very entertaining 
day of racing um, on Sunday or morning, more like it. Um, and, you know, again, the, the wing car has always put on a good show. And what I found interesting was that um, as much as everybody would have ordinarily been talking about the winner and the battle for the win and all of that, which was a very spirited battle, I might add. Um, I think we all ended up talking about a guy who finished 11th, which is kind of unusual. You know, you did something good when you didn't even finish in the top 10, but basically you were the talk of the town after a race. Well, Josh sure was, and, and well-earned. He did a phenomenal job and, um, the race for the lead was pretty entertaining between the brother-in-laws there, but yeah. I have to be honest, I was watching Josh the entire time. Well, see, this is what I mean. And, 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 you know, we had him on, uh, as, as you probably know, we had him on, uh, on, on this, this last show that we released. Um, and we, you know, had the chance to talk to him and it was just, it was entertaining just listening to him talk about how the original game plan was to start in park. It's like, <laughs> well, that went, that changed quickly. Um, and you know, and to see what he did in the drive that he put on, I mean, you drive a big block super. So you, you made the transition straight out of the SBS. Um, his transition was probably somewhat less than yours because I mean, the three fifty is essentially a super modified, but still, um, last minute strange car basically what 10 15 laps of practice at the most and he jumps in and goes out and passes half the field that's pretty doggone impressive extremely yeah people don't realize how hard what he did is and that's that speaks to his talent to get in a car that you've never been in before never even sat in a big black car of any kind before it's one thing to go out and run those times and I don't know, I've driven a big black two and a half years now, and I don't even know if I could have gone as fast as he did. Um, so that, but that's one thing, let alone to go out and not only pass guys that have won classics and championships and multiple features, but to do that by rolling the outside of three and four and driving around them off the corner, that was just impressive isn't even the word. There's not a lot of guys that can get in a car and do that their first time in it. I always think that if, if if you're willing to spend that much time up on the top, there's there's a certain amount of extra, I'll call it courage, because this is a family show, um, that you have to have to do that. Because, I mean, it really, it, it's, I don't know that there's a ton of grip up there. You're kind of just, you know, gripping the wheel and holding on, it feels like to me, the way I watch some of these guys try to do it. And, and there aren't many guys, even over all the years that I was there and going to races. I mean, Pat Abold always worked the outside really well. Um, you know, there, there have been a few guys that could do it, but, um, but not many. That was, like you said, that was pretty amazing. And, um, for being such a last minute thing to go out and do that. I mean, I don't know that you could have expected even that, let alone any better than that. He was one spot away from a top 10 finish first time ever in a car. Right, and, you know, you really can't ask for much more than that at all, um, especially starting so far back and the talent, like I said, the caliber of the guys that he had in front of him. Uh, I bet that Danny Sewell and the crew weren't expecting that. No. That was, they, were, they were very happy and rightfully so. That was uh, 
again, it's just not a lot of guys can do that. You can pick any guy out of the SBS or 350s or even you you pull any of us current super drivers. I, I don't know that I would have been comfortable with getting in that car and doing what Josh did and in race trim. I may have been able to run 15.5, but was I going to do that? Honestly, I can say probably not. You, It takes courage, like you said, and um, it, <laughs> it, it takes talent, and he clearly had both. That was really, really impressive. I feel like maybe a little bit of uh, naivete, too, because, I, I mean – you know, nobody told him that you couldn't, right? So, like, he just went up there and did it. You've been racing supers, so you've kind of probably got a little bit of a different mindset than he was operating under when when they threw the green because he didn't know any better. I mean, he was doing it in his 350. It's like, well, shoot, it's just a more powerful 350, right? And, and uh just, it was just funny to watch, but we probably should talk about the guy that won a little bit because, like you said, the battle was a great battle. Um, and you know, it's like, I, all these races, <laughs> these wing races are won from the pole. Like it's, it's crazy how that happens. But this one, um, that there was a real, uh, element of, of drama because I mean, you, you had Trent Stevens and, and there were a couple of others, I thought, at least in the, in the early part of the race that, that could have, you know, gotten there, but, um, man, it was T- talk a little bit about the race from your perspective. Were you watching from the pits or the tower, or where were you? I was in the tower. Okay, so you had a good view of it. So, you know, talk about it from your perspective. Yeah, um, one from the pole, but that what I enjoyed was watching those guys work through heavy traffic at times. And then also at the end, anytime you notice in the closing laps when um, not only do I think Mike's car was going away a little bit, obviously he had a problem with yeah. the oil cooler. And Trent went for it in turn one, but he kind of used up his last chance maybe a little bit too early and got the car sideways, and, and that was the end of it. But uh, it was, like you said, a pretty spirited battle between the the brother-in-laws. And um, as Mike said, they're they're even for Thanksgiving this year. Trent got him <laughs> on one. Yeah, that's right. uh, I think it Lorraine and then Mike got Trent on this one. So uh, it was a good race up front and um, decent through the field. Um, a lot of guys uh, swapping spots back and forth. Ben Seitz, Otto Sitterly, Mike Lichty um, were pretty constantly uh, swapping the four, five, and six spots uh, throughout the course. So, yeah, it, I, I was pretty pleased with, with the show. I don't think the track was in great shape after all the rain. I mean, it was soaked. Um, so there wasn't too much of a top side there, just unless you're Josh Sokolik. But uh, <laughs> it was it was okay. Yeah, I think out of the three races, that was probably the best one. Yeah, I would agree, for sure. I mean, you know, Otto made a mockery of the first two. Not No disrespect meant to Otto. I mean, he, he just, I mean, you start him on the pole and he's gone. Um, I've been amazed, honestly, at the lack of caution flags in the in, in those races. You, you, you just think, you know, there would be more yellows. But, um, you know, the, I got to hand it to the drivers because the, those three races have been um, – you know, they were, they were really clean races. Everybody was kind of racing with respect. It seems like, and there just wasn't, you know, there, there weren't a, a ton of yellows in any of those three. No. And you know, the only yellows that there were the other day was a couple unfortunate mechanical failures yeah. and, and maybe a spin, but like you said, kudos to the drivers. They 
all ran really clean, smart races and uh, done a good job, you know, conserving their equipment and, and uh, respecting their fellow drivers. And uh, that's, says a lot. I think about, again, the caliber of guys you have through the field. It's a bit, it's a big field of cars too. 24 cars. It was. Yep. All 24 drivers to show each other, you know, the level of respect where you don't have a yellow because of any contact incidents, the entire race. And I, I don't know, there might've been one or none in the other two races. That's pretty impressive for Joe's at Oswego. So that's very good. Yeah, for sure. So um, now we start getting ready. Of course, we got championship night coming up. So we go back to talking about um, the tail wings and the regular Oswego guys. And um, boy, uh, the, the points race is so tight going into championship night i feel like it's almost anybody's ball game depending on how things turn out saturday night yeah the race for second on back is really tight um i think dj's pretty much has the oh yeah he has that's what i was talking about i mean showix he's gonna have to mess up badly if he can i don't even know if he can lose it but yeah it'd take a lot he would have to essentially wrecking warm-ups and then Danzer would have to win everything for the rest of the night. So, um, or Bellinger. I was going to say Bellinger's still in it, at least for second. Um, and there's about four or five, it seemed like that's that are there for second place. Right. Yeah. The, the separation between seventh and second, Tyler Thompson, the seventh was six seventy-five, and then Dave Danzer second at seven Oh two. So that's only 27 points between those five spots. Yeah. And, you got a whole bunch of guys, you know, Tyler is 13 points behind Connors. Connors is five points behind Abel's. Abel's three points behind Slode's. Slode's four points behind Bellinger. And Bellinger's two points behind Banzer. So uh, that could shake up a lot. It really could. And, you know, I mean, it's it's just crazy to, to see it come down to that many cars for second place in the standings. It's been kind of a... With the, I mean, Schillick's been fast all year, but for, there's guys like Abel that have probably had, and we just, you know, we 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 talked to Jeff uh, earlier on this show. He, you know, it's it's like you're you're just off a little bit, and yet here he is when it comes down to championship night, still with a mathematical shot, obviously at second place, which would be a good season, you know, for him and and. um and you go into the classic on a good note, but um, I mean, I, I think you have to just hope that everybody comes out of uh, championship night with their cars intact. That's what you, you don't want to see anybody uh, crash their cars two weeks before classic. Mm, yeah. Like I did last year. Uh, we, oh, that's yeah, right. Don't... Sorry. I wasn't trying to. <laughs> yeah. No, I no. About I... That. <laughs> that was a mechanical failure. So it's brought back. A... Well, it's yeah. Just, yeah. 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 It just seems like every year that happens. I hate to say that, knock on wood, but it it, it just seems like that for as long as I can remember that somebody championship night yeah. has this spectacular crash. And last year it happened to be us. And I I hope it's nobody on Saturday. But if we could just have a really good clean and green yes laps, and you know you don't want to see any of these guys or Allison, you know, in the top five six spots there. You don't want to see them take a hit in the points because of a wreck you want all those guys to leave it on the track and and race it out for those second through seventh spots in the point standings and i hope that that's the way it all shakes out and uh we can get through 50 laps carnage free 
Uh, it should be quite a night, that's for sure. I, w- I will be uh, I will be announcing a uh, go kart race on Saturday night, but I will have uh, the Oswego race on my phone on flow, so I will be keeping track. Um, all right, so let's walk through the schedule for Saturday, um, just so everybody knows it, and then we'll start talking about classic here. Yeah, Saturday pits open up at two thirty, as always, and there's just a ton going on between the fireworks and the autograph session and the fan can chase. So uh, warm-ups are going to begin at 3.15, and then shortly after that, they're going to open up for the can chase out front at 3.30. Uh, that'll go until 5, and it's the last can chase of the year. So if you have cans kicking around, make sure you get them to the speedway this weekend. Uh, warm-ups will end at 4.30, and then we'll go right into group time trials at 4.30 as well for all three divisions. Uh, the autograph session at 5.30. And then heat racing is going to start at 6.45. Running order will be 350s, SBS, and Supers all night. And then fireworks after all the racing, championship photos, classic pit stall selection, and all that fun stuff. Classic pit stall selection. Okay. is Does that happen every year? Because I don't know that I've ever heard about that. Yeah, so the top, I think it's the top 10 guys in points get to pick uh, their choice of pit stall for, for classic weekend. Yeah, yeah. and all the no kidding. I didn't know that. Uh, I honestly did not know that was a thing. Um, yeah. I guess, I mean, does, does it really matter that much in Oswego? I mean, I know some guys want to pit, you know, during the race, but does it really make any difference where you pit? Yeah, I just try to pick the stall that has the least potholes in it. and uh, <laughs> the, one, the one that's not going to tip my jack and car over, that that one's usually the one I try to pick. I got you. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll yeah. just, I better leave that there because I'll get myself in a whole mess of trouble. Um, okay, so let's start talking about Classic um, because, uh, you know, it's it it just it creeps up quickly. It seems like anymore. And it's hard to believe we're already there two weeks, uh, basically two weeks away. And, um, so what, what do we expect here? I mean, we, first of all, um, have you heard of anyone who's planning to run classic who hasn't run all year? Um, one of the things I used to love about the month of August, and I don't even know if it was so much a thing, even by the time you started being old enough to go to the track, but back in the, you know, the seventies, eighties, whatever, um, you'd always get a few invaders coming in to dial in for classic. And I don't expect to probably see anybody Saturday or maybe not too many. Um, and, um, so what does classic look like as far as sort of new faces? We know, Obviously, some of the folks like Ordway and, you know, some of the others that have been running the Challenge Series will be racing. But is there anybody that you've heard about that's going to be racing the Classic that we don't know about? Um, I feel like most of the guys, you know, you know about at this point, like Santos, we've posted about that quite a bit. And that's really exciting. Um, That car's only had a few shows under its belt. Yes. Anytime you put a driver like Bobby in any race car, uh, it's going to it's gonna have some speed and run towards the front. So um, I just hope they have better luck. Um, 2021 Fall Classic, they came up and blew the motor on Classic Thursday testing. Last year they blew the motor in testing at IRP, and then they tested today at IRP. And, of course, I'm thinking, please don't blow the motor. Yeah. And then today they posted that the test went really well, so that was yeah. good. 
Um, uh, they'll practice again, I think, on Thursday, a classic week. Uh, so that's great. It'll be good to have Bobby back in the classic field. Um, obviously, Otto, he's only ran once. Uh, Joey Payne has what pretty much is a brand-new car, completely redone at Hawksby. Oh, wow. Um, so he'll be out for classic. Is that still the Penix car? They just updated it? Yeah, they updated it front and rear. So, oh, wow. Uh, sh- should be a completely different race car for Joey. And Good for he him. He was planning on uh, running most every race this year, and I know was hoping to get the car done sooner, and that just didn't happen. Um, but hopefully we'll see more of him next year, and uh, he has a good run in the Classic with the new car. So that's another one. Uh, just today I heard that the 32 is – definitely coming the Sewell car and I would assume it'll be Mo in it. Um, I haven't heard otherwise. So <laughs> yeah, you know where I was going with that one. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, and, and again, <laughs> we no disrespect to Mo, but gosh, after that, like you just, you, you just want to see the kid get a, get a shot. Right. I mean, that was, yeah. that was incredible. Um, okay. So, do we think we get to 30? Maybe. Yeah, I, I do. You do? I do. I said that last year, and maybe I was a little, I don't know, a little too optimistic. overly optimistic. But yeah. This year, Nothing I think that. it's well within reach. I'm looking at a list of 35 right now. Um, oh, wow. Really? And the 35 are, are pretty solid. There's a few on there that I'm. I'm worried about like um, Todd Stoll. I don't know if he'll show up. <laughs> you um, never know if Todd's going to show up till he shows up. Dave McKnight. They lost the motor, um, but we're planning on coming. Uh, Hal. I don't know what he's doing. He's been saying he's going to come back, but they've been fighting the, I guess, a bad vibration with the car. Okay. They didn't want to take any chances there, so I'm kind of on the fence about him. But to be honest with you take away those three guys and you're still at 32. Yeah. And I would think at 32, you'd start them all. In fact, I would hope that if 35 show up, you'd start them all. We've always started 34. Yeah. You know, I, I think mean? it'd be foolish to start any less than 34. I mean, I just, um, you know, they show up, start them. Um, you yeah. know, at, at this point, we need all the cars in the race we can get. It'll be a better race that way. Um, you know, and I, and I, I would be, I would be highly disappointed if they sent cars home at, in this day and age. Um, you know, just, just put them in the field. Let's go. Um, but that's, well, uh, that would be if we could hit 30, cause that, I don't think that's happened in a couple of years. So that would be a. You know, that would be a good milestone to hit. Um, and yeah, it's been a little bit. I think the Challenge Series really has helped that. And so, again, hats off to John Nicotra. And I know, you know, we've now we've increased the purse for the winner um, up to 20000 And, you know, it's 2000 to start, which is certainly better. Um, you know, I'd like to see more start money, to be honest. I think, I think it's more important to pay more start money than win money. But, um, but I think that, um, that certainly didn't hurt anything. So yeah, we can hit 30 cars. Is Ryan Locke on the list? Is he going to run the 37 super? I was just, just randomly thought about him. Yep. He is good. Okay. 
Um, yeah, I mean, you know, that'd be a good field. 30 to 35 would be a, a really good field. And um, I think would would be encouraging going into next year if we could uh, do that. So let's hope that everybody gets through championship night okay and then we don't have any hiccups there. Um, what else do we need to know? Um, I mean, we, we mentioned the purse, which is awesome. And um, I know we, we changed time trials to Friday. Um, what else... What else do we need to know about the weekend that maybe has has changed recently? So now it's just SBS and Super Time trials on Friday, and they're going to do the three fifties on Sunday. Awesome! It hopes of getting some more New England guys, and so far it's working. I know at least one car that was not coming because they were Friday, and then we changed them back to Sunday, and now he's coming. Uh, Brad Bab, good. So that's good, um, and. <laughs> me personally i wish they'd do the same thing for the supers but it, I, I don't know well I guess, they, I guess they felt they didn't have enough time to do that and um it kind of seemed like for that reason we lost aj Wasecki for classic and that really bums me out yeah i mean there's again there's two schools of thought there um i mean i've always said that you should never you should never crowd your day to the point where you have no wiggle room for right things like right. you know rain delays or electrical issues like we had earlier in the year um you know like that sort of thing you should never put yourself in that position on the other hand um you know <laughs> in this circumstance and with the economy the way it is with gas prices the way they are um i you know i almost think i would have done the one day for the simple fact that it would be cheaper for the teams to come and run um and I liked the fact that each day kind of had its own um, sort of special group and crowd, and it was different. Each day was different. I don't personally care which day they qualify on, but I I would have thought that maybe if you were going to um, move qualifying, you might have moved it to Saturday so that you didn't make everybody come for the entire weekend and stay all weekend in hotels or whatever. Um, so I don't know. I, I also understand, you know, I, 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 I understand the, the, the scheduling thing, but you know, it's, um, you're risking it either way, but, but I, I just would have rather have seen a longer day on Sunday, or even if they had to use some of Monday to finish up, if it rained, um, you know, then I would have seen to sort of force the teams to spend the entire weekend because, um, that definitely is a big expense for the guys coming in from out of town. Right. So yeah, I can see both sides. Of you that. know, that's a two edged sword and, and uh, you know um, I mean, you know, I, I like I said, it's uh, having, having been a promoter and, and, you know, you think about that stuff from that point of view. Um, I can honestly see where if they had tried to do the one day and it, and it rained or something happened where, <laughs> Right. You know, it's just, yeah, that was the concern I think. And you know, I do get that, but it also, you know, frustrates you because you don't want to lose. Well, nobody does. Nobody wants to lose. Cars, no. But. And I, and I would think at this point, as fast as they run time trials off, you know, start everything early. Um, I'm personally of the belief that you should can the awards or whatever, you know, don't, 
don't, you know, if you're going to do that stuff, do it quickly, get it done and over with. Um, that to me, the, the racing part is the important thing. And I think that they could have done it. Um, if, you know, if, if you, if you just, you know, made the schedule correctly, but like you said, you can't depend on weather. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's just right. two edged sword. Well, I'll tell you this. I do want my thousand dollar key club award. <laughs> well, I didn't say you couldn't have it. I just said, right. you know, don't dawdle. Like it, you know, it's it. You gotta have some. I understand yeah. you know, the breaks and downtime yeah. during the day, but just you know, if you're gonna do that kind of a schedule, the only way to do it is to keep things moving, right? You can't really have any nothing time. You have to just you know, be able to coordinate it so that um, you just work it all in. Um, That can take a while, the front row awards and those contingencies. Well, see, that's the thing. If I'm a fan, I'm like, oh, let's go. Let's go racing here. And, you know, I'd like to see that maybe be moved to afterwards or maybe it's even at the banquet as much. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, there's a point where if you're going to do that one day format, you almost have to put that um, at, you know, to a banquet thing. Um, you know, it's it's because, again, it just becomes too much because all of uh, everything you do takes time. Right. So um, but I'm glad that at least the three fifties are on Sunday because um, I know there were three or four cars that were saying, well, we'll come. And then they moved them. Now they won't come. And um, so hopefully we hopefully those those drivers live up to what they said they were coming and you know so now you're you're back to sunday so come on you know, you know. yeah yeah i hope so really hope a, so. so yeah what are we looking at for 350s for for a field do you think how many probably right around 20 see that's a good field i mean i think yeah, I, you know that's yeah. uh you know, are we gonna get um are both ryan and chase running in the 350s do we know it doesn't sound like Ryan is, but I asked him about Chase, and he wasn't sure on that either. Um, it sounds like from New England, I know we'll have both battles. Good. Uh, maybe Eddie Whitcomb. Uh, Jim Storis has come every year. I know we'll have John Leonard, uh, Brad Babb. So we'll have some decent support from there. I'd like to see a few more guys come out. There's an awful lot of cars out there, and um, there's been plenty of times where we haven't raced, and or I'm sorry, where Star hasn't raced, and we have been, and uh, nobody's made the trip out as, as they kind of were at the beginning, you know, back yeah. in 2019 when the steel was first getting off its feet. So um, I'd like to see that change a little bit. Um, but, again, I, I also understand, I mean, Ryan Battle uh, toes out here a couple times this year, and it's it's an awful lot of tow money and, and gas money to come out here. And, um, you know, you got to maybe put up a little more start money to get some of those guys to come out here. That's Well, here's the way, but here's the way I have to think, though. You had a smack tour race at Lancaster, right? Like, I mean, you know, if you if you can come to Lancaster, you can come to Oswego. So, like, I would like to, I would love to be able to find a way to resolve this whole sordid, you know, again, we got this two different groups, basically, um, you know, and and do it with some sort of, either wait or whatever. Like if you're going to run smack rules, here's your, you know, your deal. I don't, I'm not, you know, smart enough um, from a tech standpoint to be able to figure all that out, but there's definitely been plenty of past history with 
kind of mixing different, um, you know, motor combinations and whatever in other divisions, and they find ways to equalize it through other things. Um, And then, you know, maybe you increase, like you said, increase the start money a little bit, Um, you know, and, and let's get... The, the whole problem that we've had for, you know, and, and with the big blocks and now, it, unfortunately, with the 350s, a swigger used to be a destination. It was always you came because it was a swigger. It was the classic. You wanted to be there. You wanted to. That was the that was the race to win. It was the race to make. Um, and it was a big deal. And and for whatever reason, um, you know, we we just don't seem to have that to the degree anymore and and of course the 350s i understand you know it's 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 a different thing with them but still um i i would like to figure out how to how to sort of bridge that divide a little bit and you know get everybody so that they can compete equally because um you know i especially in that class uh you could hit 30 to 40 cars in that division if if yeah. you can put together the right, you know, right package. Yeah, if we could get Smack and Oswego closer on the same page. I know Oswego and Star are far closer than oh, yeah. the Smack series than we are. And um, Again, it's probably some of those guys are running Smack now, so it's not as easier for them to come and run Oswego. So that's probably part of why we aren't seeing the support we did initially from New England. And um, it is. It's also the expenses of everything have have gone up. Like I know the For battles sure. would love to oh, come yeah. out here a lot more. Um, but they've, you know, they flat out told me it's just the expense to tow the car out here, the, the fuel and you come out and, um, we're not paying a bad purse, but maybe the purse isn't quite as high as some of the smack shows or what they could get right in their backyard. So they just assume save money and go race the star next week. And, um, you know, I think that's something the track uh, has to work on is is getting more start money for some of these out-of-town guys to come in and support us because they're doing a good job working together with Star on the schedule. Um, now we just got to figure out how to get those guys to come support us. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I you know, I think the, a, a lot of the <clears throat> a lot of the same sort of, you know, sometimes it's it's you know it's it's just about diplomacy too. I mean, I think we. It's like the smack guys have a different motor package. They all want to, you know, go spend bigger money on the motors or whatever. It's like, well, okay. Um, you know, if you're going to come out here and you're going to run that package, there's got to be a way to sort of balance the, you know, the scale there. Um, you know, again, whether it's with weight or some other way, but, um, I would like to see that be if ISMA and MSS can run together, right? Like if, if that can be combined, why can't we have a combined, you know, smack, non-smack, you know, unsmack, whatever, um, you know, combined, combined show. Um, and, and, and that race becomes sort of the, you know, the all-star race, the classic race. And, um, I I just feel like there's got to be a way to do that and in a way to to make that work um you know if I'm if I'm sure. if I'm looking at this from a marketing standpoint there's you know that race is on flow just like the big block race is um so the you know the quote unquote streaming package or viewer package that the benefits of that are the same um you know it's it is a lower purse obviously um, but you know, there's, there, there's gotta be some sort of way 
to make that equation work, um, you know, at least for the classic, if if not trying to get the weekly part of it up, because um, that division is a strong division right now. And I know there's got to be more interest in it than what we're seeing in, in on the track. Um, and, you know, I think it's just a matter of somebody figuring out, well, what are we missing? Why is this not happening? And then, you know, trying to address that. Um, so, right. you know. Okay, so, um, but 20 would be good. If we could get to 20 or above, that's a good show. Um, yeah, I'm out of positive note with that class, there's going to be 15 this weekend, and that's obviously not a classic race. So we're, we're getting more guys locally coming out, like Tony DeStevens and Noah Ratcliffe are going to move up to that division weekly, and they're going to have their cars out this weekend oh, good. for classic. And then Brendan Young, who bought the 75 car from Barbera. Yeah. Uh, complete rookie to racing of any kind, and he's he's come on and darn near flirted with 16 seconds. Yeah. He's been great. He's so, done a nice job. Uh, well, that few, that was another guy's come out. I mean, that was good. The, the, the 350 race with Robbie um, running as well as he did, and then, you know, of course, he, he couldn't quite hang on. Um, the, the tire just blistered on him, and, 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 you know, he ends up losing late, but um, you got Talon Hawksby, who's, I mean, that kid just absolutely is, you can watch him almost from lap to lap. It's like he gets better and better and better. And then, he, you know, he st- kind of goes over the, walks over the line for a minute, spins it out, and then gets right back. And, you yep. know, it starts passing. Like, it's it's just fun to watch him because, you know, you know, I mean, if you put a veteran in that car, it would probably win by half a lap. And that's not disrespectful to Talon. It's just his lack of experience in it with the speed. When he catches up to the car, he's going to be really dangerous. Yeah, and I think he's actually getting closer to it than I we agree. all think. Um, he's he's actually knocking on the door now with a couple podiums. And yep. for a second, I said, oh, oh boy, Talon, I, I was kind of, pulling for Robbie I'm not gonna lie I wanted to see the young gun get his first win and, of course um love Tim Barbo and Dave Cliff and all those guys but I I did want to see a first time winner um and he did a really good job he ran a great race but I I, I thought I was gonna see the wrench get his first win then for a minute I said no oh, wow talent talent I, I know but, uh it was a good race yeah he's been fun to watch um you know and so yeah those guys are putting on good shows despite the um you know the lack of cars it was great to see nick barzee get his first win finally that kid has had so much bad luck um and to see him finally go out and win one just really really made me happy um so i mean you know i feel like the classic in that division is basically wide open i mean you obviously you know the battles are going to be tough and whatever but um but i feel like there's a few of these guys that are really stepping their game up and if again if we can just run clean saturday night and not tear up a bunch of cars or lose motors or whatever and and go into the classic with everybody intact that race even at 20 cars could be a really really exciting race oh for sure yeah i I really enjoy watching the class and it's kind of been a little bit of a not that the racing's been bad but like we've talked about before a little bit of a bummer year in the sense where it hasn't grown as quickly as we'd like to and now it's just starting to do that right at the end of the season we're starting to get more of these guys coming out and what's nice is uh, I, i've heard of even more cars yet so i think we're going to come out of the gate in 2024 
uh, 14 to 16 strong. Good. And that's a huge improvement from this year. For so sure. um, I'm starting to get excited about this class again. I was, like I said, kind of bummed a little bit, but now I'm, I'm psyched for a lot of different reasons. So it's, it's pretty cool. Okay. So now we'll go to SBS and, um, you know, I mean, I'm look at, uh, you know how we do things here. I don't, I don't, uh, mince words. Inquiring minds want to know, um, what, what are we going to do with the fitty foe for the, uh, classic race and which, which of you two proud boys are going to be behind the wheel of it? Uh, <laughs> right now, first in the running order is Chris. Oh, <laughs> Joyce C. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, okay. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's, <laughs> we've balled over this all week long, and we will all the next two weeks too. But it's just, um, my dad's not ready to get in the car yet. He's not cleared to, to ah, drive. Okay. Uh, he's. Just still running through the motions of a lot of the stuff. He has a herniated disc in his neck right now. Oh, so, no. Ouch. Uh, they think that's causing a lot of what's been going on. And ah. It could be maybe a nerve is pinched off with that and causing even more dizziness. And um, they got to run some more tests. And he's just he's not going to be able to get in the car this year. So mm. um, we're, we're happy that we've been able to do as much as we have just with my racing and um, I thought honestly that he would be able to, but just found a lot of answers, positive, encouraging answers that haven't pointed to extremely serious things like we were originally Good. worried yes, about. Yes, exactly. You know, that herniated disc and all that stuff isn't so pleasant either, and he's been really hurting and really dizzy with all that still, Ugh. and it's not in any position to drive. And then me, I just want to focus on the super, and I don't want to <laughs> do double duty, so... I'm wimping out on that one. So then I called my uncle and he basically told me I'm a wimp and to get my own ass in the car. <laughs> <laughs> I can picture Chris doing that too. Uh, yeah. So he, he's thinking about it. He's just really busy with work classic week. He finally had rotator cuff surgery to repair everything he was going through. And he's oh, getting to a point where, where he could race again. Um, he's just going to have to fight my 15 year old cousin Colton for that. He's, he's hoping to practice next year in my uncle's car. Oh, so is that Chris's have, son? Yeah, it's Chris's son. Oh, okay. And then he's got a 12-year-old son, Cody, and he wants to do it too, so we might not be done <laughs> building proud chassis yet. I don't I don't think you can race at 12 at Oswego yet, can you? I don't think we've no, lowered the age limit that much. No, but he knows I practiced at 14 at Evans Mills, and he's counting down the days. Ah, okay. Colton's ready now, <laughs> so, <laughs> so we'll see. That he is. We'll see. They, they might get the chance to run the three or Colton might get the chance to run the three next year. And then maybe have Cody do practice here in a year or two. And now and have, happens. have either of those two kids raced anything? No, nothing ever. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's a tough, tough place to start your career. Um, that's, that's what I told them. But they, you know, it's <laughs> like, get them in a, get them in a go-kart or something at least before yeah, you. I, you know, I'd like to see Chris put them in a go-kart, but. I'd love to see him, love to see him give it a shot. So anyway, maybe that we'll get the other car out down the road and that could be interesting. It's, you know, coming okay. in the near future. So uh, we'll, Chris isn't sure yet. He hasn't necessarily accepted, but he's interested in it. And if he doesn't, um, 
talked about a couple people. Somebody that I'd like to give a shot is Rich Petruco, who's been a big help for me this year. Oh, man, Rich would be great. Um, I've known Rich forever, and Rich would be really, really – that'd be a great choice to, to put in it if you need a, you know, uh, obviously a non-family member. Um, that would uh, – Rich would be a great choice, and he would do well with the car. Um, you know, I, yeah. he's, he's had plenty of good racing experience, obviously with modifieds and things. And, um, you know, he would, uh, he would be a great driver for it. Sure. Yeah. That's a, that'd yeah. be a great choice for you. Yeah, I, I agree. I'd love to give him a shot. It's just a matter of getting my dad to want to take on the extra work. He's overwhelmed. Well, that's the other is, piece, right? With the super. So, um, those are honestly the only two guys we talked about was that if my dad wasn't going to do it, we were going to. Ask Chris, you know, because he's family, and then yeah. if Chris didn't want to, um, we want to give Rich a shot potentially. So those are the two guys, and uh, if the workload and time allows, and one of the two of them are seriously interested, then we'll talk about it. But it's registered for now, and I, I really want to see it out there for the classic. So I hope so. Okay, okay. so we'll carry on then with. Uh, who else do we expect? You know, I haven't seen uh, Alex Hogue all year, have we? Did I, am I imagining that? He hasn't been there yet no. this year. No, I was just texting with him the other day, and actually Jim Paternosters were doing that car for him. Oh. Um, so that's, you can't ask for much better of a guy to redo the car. No, so that's he's, um, yeah, he's won a thing or two as an owner in that division. And I noticed that when they had that car at Lancaster that it was Jim and uh, Dean there with Alex, like old times, which I know now that's something that Alex is going to hold on to. Oh, that's, I didn't know that. Okay. That's great. Yeah. It was, you know, Dean and Jim and Alex all together up there. So very special. And then decided that he wanted to have Jim go through the car and, um, just says that he's going to bring it out when Jim says it's time to bring it out. And, uh, it's not quite ready yet. Oh, okay. Well, he's got two weeks. Come on, Jim. Um, it's classic time. too bad yeah it's too bad uh okay so anyone else uh new to that class that we haven't seen for a while uh brian haynes is gonna run uh he hasn't been out all year uh so that's another one um it's it's kind of i'm going through the list and there's nobody that's new okay um a couple guys that haven't been out all year and are going to be coming back out um, like Mike Bond's going to run, of course, and Shartner and Danny Kay's going to do double duty, and Jesse Barrett. Oh, he is? Run. Yep, Danny's okay. going to do double duty. So they're going to uh, run the SBS then, or the uh, 350 then? Yeah, he'll be there this weekend with the Okay, good. All right, because I wasn't sure if, if uh, I wasn't sure what the plan was there because he hadn't in a while. Um, but, yeah, I know they've okay. been taking their time to get things back together and have been a little short on help and just wanted to make sure they did everything correctly. Um, after having some damage there a couple of weeks ago and that whole, or is a, a little over a month ago now and that whole fiasco, he got the top lane damaged and car riding on his head. So that wasn't the debut he was looking for, no. obviously. Um, but I think the good thing is they found a lot of little things with the car that okay. they corrected. And, um, so they're going to give it a try this weekend and shake down for the classic. But yeah, he'll be doing both. Um, I know Jude Parker will be back. Robbie Worth's going to do double duty also. Okay. Um, and then Barrett, I was starting to mention him. He's won twice this year now, both times, or two out of the three times he's been up 
and uh, going to run classic as well. So not really any new guys or surprises, but okay. uh, guys that don't necessarily run all year that have, you know, ran classic for as long as I can remember now and continuing that trend like Andrew and Mike and um, as always, that you know, you always bring out the heavy hitters for the classic and, and the SBS class. So it'll be a good race. Yeah, we haven't seen a Russ Brown sighting yet this year, so uh, maybe the old guy's finally uh, retired. Well, if Rich and Chris say no, he he better answer. The phone. <laughs> so there would be a potential here for. <laughs> well, um, I mean, so what somebody needs to do is somebody needed to line up Danny a super stock ride and then line him up with a big block super ride so he can do quadruple duty. Yeah, right. I'm sure he'd love Just that. Just put him in every class. I mean, it, it, yeah. you know, he's, he's, he, I, I still, you know, the, the ultimate thing for me is, is to see, is to see Danny go out and win a super modified feature. So he would be, I think the first one to win in all three divisions. Um, has that happened no, before? No, Mike Bruce has. Mike Bruce has. Oh, that's right. Mike Bruce was. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, but still, that's well, Danny. But but Danny won in the Super Stock before, so he'd be a four division a swig of winner at that point. And I don't think that's happened. Did Mike no. win in the Super Stock? <laughs> no, never it's, Super Stock. It's crazy to even think about that. But that's that's you know, Danny. Um, Danny definitely. You know that 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 street super super stock street stock win was um was significant because especially if you think about you know him now having the 350 so if he goes out wins in the super stock or wins in the uh, uh 350 then he's got of course you know championships and wins in the sbs um there's your three division winner then the only thing left would be a big block super it's like somebody needs to give him a shot to go for that one um because that'd be yeah cool. i wish the Sorrells would pull that other car out again yeah exactly i mean you know it, well and, and again you know people are listening to this going well it's only money you know <laughs> Tell, you know, and i can hear him now well tom just uh, you know throw some money at the money um, if I had it, I would, because I'll tell you, I think, you know, that would be one of those little footnotes in history that probably would never happen again. No, probably not. No. Nope. You know, That'd I mean, fun. you know, that, that's, that, those are the sorts of, uh, records that to me mean more than, you know, a lot of the others, because you just know that there is probably almost a zero chance that that ever gets broken. Right. I mean, that's, right. uh. You know, so anyway, that's that's uh, that's always been fun to me to sort of put that puzzle together, and and hopefully someday he gets the chance. But um, yeah, so okay, so we're probably in the twenties for SBS as well. Yeah, definitely in the twenties. I think a full field. Good. Um, should be in good shape. Like I said, you'll gain Robbie and Andrew, and uh, maybe Jim Babcock in the Gunther car. That's another one. Um, Danny Kay, Jesse Barrup, our car, uh, DJ Schumann will be back, Mike Bond, Brian Haynes, Brad Haynes. So if I add those 10 to the 16 that are coming this weekend, that actually would be 26 cars. Okay. Interesting. That's really, that's really pretty good. Best classic count in a few years. Um, and also Tessa Crawford, she, um, that'll be her first classic. And for a, uh, what is she, 16, 15, 16, I think 15. 15-year-old rookie. She's doing really well. I uh, got her first top 10. Yeah, I uh, saw that. 
So good for her. And running pretty respectable times down in the mid-19s now and kept her nose clean, missed a lot of wrecks, made her first couple passes and ends up 10th and uh, running again this weekend. Uh, didn't run last week, so they're keeping the rookie status for next year. And uh, then going to go ahead and run the classic. So um, I guess that's somebody that's new. There you go. There's your one new gal. <laughs> well, I th- I just, uh, that's a, I mean, it sounds that there's a lot of optimism that, that you're talking about here with all three of these fields. So you can hit yeah. 30 supers and hit 20 or more in each of the other two. That's a nice field. You know, you're going to get a ton of um, super stocks on Friday. The modified race is always awesome on Saturday. So, um, and you've got the sportsman modified race. Please, dear Lord, don't let it rain on Saturday. Um, you know, you got that uh, finally happening. So it should be a heck of a weekend. Yeah, it's it's going to be fun. And again, I talked about this before as well, but just how it's kind of the theme days with Super Sunday and Modified Madness on Saturday and then the Stock Car Spectacular on, on Friday. There's just going to be massive fields on on Friday, I don't even know where we're going to park everybody again. Um, that's the DLM is so much fun and Joey's enthusiasm. Oh, it, it, absolutely. Yeah. Um, compacts, even the compacts, people laugh, but the compacts put on a great race. Oh, that's like, right. I forgot they were coming back. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So we got a bunch of them too. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you'll have a couple guys doing double duty in the modified Saturday. Um, unfortunately, the, the tour mod list, entry list doesn't come out until a few days before, but um, if there's anybody that wants updates on the super stock or compact counts, Jody's posting all those registrations, uh, on the GTR page. And then we also just opened up super SBS and 350 registration, uh, just a couple days ago. And I'm posting all those on the speedway website as well. Um, so check that out. Um, it's, this is a fun time of year. I love the couple weeks. Oh up. yeah. Always, always. And y- you know, it's, it's, uh, like I said, it sneaks right up on you. Um, and you know, then it's over in a flash, but yeah, this is, uh, this is shaping up to be a great weekend of racing, um, with a lot of different types of cars. I mean, you know, it's, and see, I love that. I love the variety in the schedule, um, so what is now the plan? Um, I'm sure they figured it out by now. What is the plan for, um, uh, now that you moved the qualifying back to Friday for the supers and the, in the, uh, SBS cars, what's the timing on the timing? Well, let me pull that up for you. Um, I know we're going to be there early on Friday. Uh, yeah. Uh, drivers meeting at 10 30. Oh, wow. Uh, they're going to do two round warmups, uh, 11 a.m. to 1.30 for the SBS and Supers. SBS time trials first at 2 o'clock, and then the Super time trials. And then all of those haulers out. Uh, 350s are welcome to come for warm-ups, too. Um, and then we'll roll right into the Super Stock and Mini Stock, or Compacts coming in at 2.30. Uh, and then 5 o'clock, they'll start their warm-ups, Super Stocks, Compacts, uh, two rounds each. And from there, roll right into heats around 6 o'clock. Okay. Um, so it should be a pretty early night on Friday, and obviously we can't pit everybody in at once, so that's why they take the little break in the afternoon. Um, but load in and out will be pretty fast. Nobody has to unload, so that's really good. Uh, and we'll just roll right into, like I said, the stock car portion of the program as soon as possible. Um, I know that they want all the SBS guys out immediately after the super time trials, and then the super guys have a half hour to get out after that. So 
Um, they'll move it along. Uh, they'll clear the grandstands or clear the pit area, obviously, and then the grandstands. Yeah. Get, by admission to the time trials, you also have admission to the evening part of the program. So um, it'll be a long day, but you can you can choose. It can be as long as you want it to be. You can get there at 11 a.m. and sit till 9 o'clock at night or just come for whatever portion of the day you like. So it's cool. It's all one ticket, and the fans have that flexibility. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So it, it sounds like time trials like noon to 2, somewhere in there then? Um... Uh, 2 o'clock. Oh, so like the time trials don't start till two? Yeah, they start at two o'clock. Oh, okay, yep. okay. But you were saying everybody out of the pits at like two thirty. Did I or am I missing something? Did I miss that? No, it says that. Maybe Chuck's just very uh, <laughs> optimistic. <laughs> I, I don't think we're qualifying three two classes in a half hour. Maybe we we can. I doubt it. Uh, <laughs> it'll, it'll be pushing. It. I think yeah. there's. Uh, I think Chuck is uh, really optimistic on that one. Um, yeah. But so uh, those guys out at two thirty and stock cars in by three thirty. So yeah, we'll, well half hour for uh, you know fifty cars. I'm not sure that's going to work well, but uh, okay. So that at least gives us an idea of that the time of day that we're looking at, and and uh, yeah. everybody can. If you're not going to be able to be at the track, um, you know, like me, you'll be watching on flow, and um, I can't wait. I mean, I'm just stoked for for the whole weekend. It should be a blast, and. Um, really looking forward to to um, each night, basically. Um, I have to be at Hickory for a big race on Saturday night, but I will be watching Flow. Um, and, uh, but Friday and Sunday, I'm, I'm all eyes and ears. So it should be fun. We're, we're working on something um, for Classic Day to do that would be fun um, if we can pull it together uh, for those who can't make the track, but, um, and even those who are there. But it, uh, but it will, it will be fun either way. And, and I'm going to try to do as much coverage as I can. So, um, yeah. So I'm excited to see what comes up there. Um, we might as well go through uh, Saturday and Sunday schedules while we have you. Yeah, might as well. Uh, Saturday morning, uh, 11 a.m. NASCAR modified haulers enter. Uh, 12 noon, the sport mods will enter. Two o'clock NASCAR practice uh, for one hour. 305 sport mod practice. 430 will be the sport mod heats. Uh, 515 NASCAR mod qualifying. 615, there's going to be an autograph session for both classes on the front stretch. Uh, and then 7 o'clock, go right into features. Uh, sport mod, 40 laps. Uh, there's 25-plus cars expected for that right now, I can tell you. Nice. Uh, and then well, here again, he's probably being optimistic, but has 7.30 as the start time for the NASCAR mod feature, so he's hoping only a half hour between the sport mod feature um <laughs> victory lane and nascar mod driver introductions i'm gonna have to have a chat with him about the schedule <laughs> well i mean it's good to be optimistic right yeah um you know yeah we hope it is that one bad. can hope um well i mean and, and even if it's eight o'clock i mean that's still you know um but uh now if if i if if i have this right i think the whole thing is on flow right now because i think all yeah. The, yeah all the nascar mod stuff yeah. is on yeah so that's good because um, nobody will have to be shifting streaming sources around. And so, yeah, if it's all going to be one broadcast, I mean, you just, you know, you, you aim for that. And if you miss by a few, that's okay. Um, and then Sunday, um, I assume gates open pretty early. Early. Yeah, as always, 730. That's what I thought. Yeah, I would have said seven. It's uh, 
my favorite day of the year, but my least favorite day of the year at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Unload everything at 7.30. That's, that isn't even so much 7.30. It's just the unloading. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I think we all do. And, well, <laughs> who would uh, like it? I don't know anybody that likes to do that, but it's part of right. the day. You know right. it's classic day. That's, you know, I've always said that classic day has its own you know, sort of feel to it. Oh, and yeah. that's oh, part absolutely. of the reason is because it is. it's the only day of the year that you, you unload and, and, and the trailers go out and, um, you know, it's, that makes it unique and, um, it pain in the butt, but unique. Right? So uh, give us the rest of the day. <laughs> uh, nine o'clock mandatory drivers meeting 10 AM, uh, to 12 PM. He has, uh, two rounds of warmups for all divisions and then 350 time trials. Okay. And then at 1230, um, by then they're expecting that to be complete. And then they're going to do best appearing car and crew, uh, all divisions, the fastest Canadian award, front row awards, thousand dollar club group photo, um, of all winners from the 2023 season in all classes. And then sixth annual 350 Wayne small block, super 50 laps, super full fuel load, 32nd annual Bud Light SPS Classic 60 laps, and the 67th Budweiser International Classic 200. Okay, so... No uh, estimated start time. Well, I mean, yeah, that's... Again, you, you it's hard to do that, really. Probably um, about 1 o'clock. Usually is around there. Yeah. Um, For the 350s. Right, exactly. Um, the, the, the beauty of the Fastest Canadian Award is that we still have some competition for that, don't we? We've got, hopefully, McKnight and uh, yep. Ray Vowles and uh, maybe Samet. Is Mark Samet going to run? He is, yep. So there you got at least three. Am I missing anybody off the top? Yeah, I wish Mike Lichty would come and run. Well, we all <laughs> do. I just wasn't expecting you to say that he would. Oh, I- um but no, uh, we'll see. I've heard a couple things. We'll oh, see. really? Well, boy, that would be awesome. I mean, you know, it's like, guys, come on. It's classic. Let's do this. You know, we, we've 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 built this up to the point where, you know, you, you're throwing 20 grand on the line. You'd think, right. you know, um, so John, the coach is throwing wings at people. He's giving away wings. It's like, come on, guys. Some of these Midwest guys are up high in the points. I'd love to see like Kyle Edwards come out. And, oh, yeah. Uh, Brent Stevens. Um, Come on. This is the year to try it. Well, yeah, why not? I mean, you know, doggone. Um, so so John is actually giving away tail wings. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, he is. Yeah, check out his Facebook page. He's oh, giving away like seven or eight tail wings. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, John. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah. Well, again, it's classic. And, you know, uh, man, you, you, I could sit here all day and talk about it um you know it's uh it, it it's it should be a really good weekend obviously I hope the weather's good um and uh man i i just hope everybody has a, a good safe clean last couple of weeks here we can get out get out of you know get to the end of the season and and start uh looking ahead to 2024 but um still uh a lot of racing to do championships on the line um i we didn't talk about points in the uh sbs and 350 where are we at with that well it's been really close in the sbs up until the last two weeks and i feel bad for greg o'connor because um he's put together a really consistent season um a lot of top five finishes he had quite the streak going he was in the top five every week and 
still, uh, I think he's, yeah, he's missed the top 10 in nine races. He's been top five, seven out of nine times. And um, two weeks ago, I think he lost a tire twice, two different tires. Yeah, that's right. I think he did, yeah. Finally ended up in the fence. And um, the other day he got caught up there on the front stretch. I saw that. Griffin spun and a bunch of guys got in there and a lot of stuff torn up, unfortunately. But um, that's kind of knocked him out of the points race uh, these past two weeks, and he's 52 away from Noah Ratcliffe. Um, so he he needs a long shot. Okay. Um, and I actually don't know if he's going to race this week because he he has a mild concussion from the wreck mm, last Yeah, week. I saw. I was noticing that they were looking at him, and they had him in the ambulance, and I wondered if there were any lingering effects from that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Went over to the hospital, so um, they weren't sure last I heard if he was going to run. So right now, it very well could be a race between Tony to Stevens, Drew Pascuzzi, and Griffin Miller um, for those second and third positions. Okay. Um, well, we and and honestly, if I were Greg, I would keep the car where it is and just sit it out, uh, you know, and and yeah. give yourself an extra week to to rest up for the big one, right? Because with the luck he's yeah. had the last couple of weeks, it's like, you know, um, that you know, is it really worth it, right? So, and if he's not, if he's if he's concussed, then he wouldn't be medically cleared to race anyway. So um, maybe a kind of a force thing there, but. Um, okay. So, um, and the SBS has been it, like, you know, those guys, that has been so much fun this year to, to, to watch that class race and, and see, you know, thankful that Noah finally got his win and, and, you know, you see Tony and, um, you know, and, and, uh, it's just been, that's been fun. Now the 350 class, um, Gosh, where is that at this point? I'm trying to think off the top of my head because I'm ashamed to say I haven't I just haven't paid attention to the points the last couple of weeks. But um, it feels like that class has been sort of even enough all year that it ought to be pretty close. But it's probably not, is it? Well, actually, it kind of is now. Uh, Josh has been pretty dominant, but those electrical issues he had last week really, really bit him. Well, uh, he just started parked. Yeah, started and parked all night and. Uh, Kyle Perry's been the guy that's okay. uh, been knocking on the door all year for uh, the points lead. And actually now Kyle finished fourth last week. Dave Cliff picked up another win, and now Kyle Kyle is five points behind Dave for second. And then Dave is 35 points behind Josh for the lead. So um, Dave is very much still in the hunt there. And, and honestly, Kyle, 40 points behind, uh, it's not too much would have to happen for them to at least come very close to taking over the points lead and, and winning the track championship this weekend. If, if something goes wrong for, for Josh, those guys are right there. So that that's still going to be entertaining. Um, out of the three, that's probably the most entertaining one as far as the contention for the actual championship goes. But um, across the board in all three classes, there's some really tight battles in the top five, especially in the supers. That's just crazy how close that is. So, um, going to be fun. Uh, a lot of guys racing hard this weekend for those final points uh, of the year. Hard to believe. Yeah. Well, there's still some. Uh, and again, I mean, at last uh, that we talked to Josh uh, yesterday, um, he was uh, still, you know, they were still kind of scrambling to figure out what the problem was. And so. Yeah. I hope they get it solved because it would be a terrible thing for them not to be able to race this weekend. So, 
you know, I hope that they uh, hope they can get it figured out and get out there. But uh, at least some drama in that class for the championship, perhaps. Anyway, um, drama, just not the kind of drama that's cool. No, not no, not good for Josh. But I guess uh, speaking from a fan's standpoint, it's always fun, right? And uh, so, um, you know, wish all of them the best. And and you know, I just want everybody to come out of this weekend clean. That's all. I don't. I don't want to see any wrecks that that uh, sideline people for the classic. Cause that's, that's just not a good thing. Um, so, okay. Well, um, look forward to hopefully catching up to you. I know next week's tough, but hopefully maybe we can sneak one in before the week really gets busy um, and uh, rehash championship night a little bit. Um, but uh, always appreciate it, Camden and, and uh, good luck to you and the team um, this weekend. And in case we can't get back together next week, good luck um in the classic and you know whoever gets into the 54 if anyone does for the uh sbs deal as well um and uh we'll we'll hopefully catch up to you again soon but uh maybe we can sneak one in uh sunday or monday if we can before uh, everything is busy so yeah we'll plan on it for sure all right very good so uh that is camden proud and uh back with more of the groove going to talk about the number 24 next it's time now for what's in the number and this week we are looking at the significance of the number 24 in oswego speedway and super modified history but before we get to that uh, and I apologize because this show is going to be a longer show than what I, I I hope that you'll all hang in there because I feel like I need to add something in here before we get to the number 24. Um, again, as as many of you probably know by now, I record these shows sometimes in pieces and they're not all done on the same day. This morning, August 18th, 2023, I saw the news from Dave McKnight Jr. on his Facebook page that his father, Dave McKnight Sr., had passed away. Dave uh, had health challenges for a while, and um, I it's, it's just gut-wrenching to hear that, uh, that he has passed. He... I never had the opportunity, I don't think, to ever talk with Dave Sr. Um, I consider Dave Jr. a good friend of mine and, again, somebody who's always treated me very well in my interactions with him as media and just in conversation. Dave's a great guy, and I know his dad was too. Um, I, I just thought that we we needed here to stop first of all i'm just going to take a moment of silence here just to remember dave and um ask you to join me in that and then we'll talk a little bit about um his brief time as a car owner at oswego Dave McKnight Sr. came onto the scene 
at the Oswego Speedway in 1977. I believe that he had somewhat of a racing background in Canada before he came to Oswego, but the first time that I remember hearing his name was when he brought a Dates chassis, Kemp Dates chassis, super modified to the Oswego Speedway. It was one of the most beautiful supers of its time. It was, the craftsmanship was just, Amazing, he and John Spencer got together to field that effort. Um, Dave dove in both feet. Uh, I don't know if he had it before the Super, but I know at some point early in his ownership of that Super, he had, I believe, an engine dyno. Um, and... The car, the the car, for whatever reason, Johnny, it, it sometimes things just don't click, and I, and and so at some point, maybe midway or so through the season, it was decided to make a change, and um, Dave, uh, Dave and Johnny parted ways, and Warren Conium, who had been sidelined for a couple weeks, with. Uh, motor issues on his 46 car, which was also a Dates chassis, got into the six car. And, you know, it's, it's, again, sometimes things don't click and other times it's just magic. Warren Conium and Dave McKnight Sr. and that crew, which was an all-star crew, which included Dave Jr., obviously, a much younger Dave Jr., that that team just gelled. And of course, we all know that Warren got more competitive by the week. And when it got to the classic, Kempton Dates, who built the car that Conium was driving, Kempton was the guy that year, won the track championship and was running away with the classic and ran out of fuel with about I think six to go or something. Colium inherits the lead and wins the race. Dave McKnight Sr. and that team showed up in one of the most competitive eras of Oswego Speedway's history and won the biggest supermodified race in existence right out of the box. And then for 1978, they brought the same car back with some changes. And of course, that was the year that the radical offset that Jimmy Champagne had, it would be his first full year racing that car the car that McKnight owned was not an 18 inch a radical, so to speak. It was one of the eight inch offsets that kept built. Uh, and the irony of the whole scene with that was that all those cars that Kemp was building were obsolete before they ever hit the track. It, it only, there was no way to know that because Jimmy had already, you know, he had put the radical offset into action and, and, um, 
Steve had driven it. Steve Joya drove it. End of 76. Jimmy, you know, in the middle of 77, or in July, I think it was, of 77, debuted it. And, you know, but that, that car was already in existence when all those dates cars rolled off the line. And Kempton himself in 78 had an offset car. And Chuck Siprich, Ron Buckner built Chuck Siprich one. Um, Freddie Graves had one. Um, there might have been one or two others, but um, it, it was the the it it became kind of that that car that design because of the extra offset because you're you're putting the engine way out you're 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 adding a lot more left side weight so obviously they were all faster so what it became was almost like an A and a B class. And Warren Conium was by far in the six car that Dave McKnight Sr. owned. Warren Conium was the best of the B class. Now, if you look at the point standings, the B class best car won the track championship because the best A car, Jimmy Champagne, broke in three or four double-point shows. Warren didn't win a feature that year, but he was as consistent as heck. He was on the podium most of the time. What we would call a podium. He was in the top three. And that was the difference. In two years, that team accomplished... I don't know if there's another team that's ever done that. That's ever come in as a brand new team to super modifieds to a Swigo and won a classic their first year and a track championship the second year. I don't know that that's ever been done. That car every week was gorgeous. It was immaculate. It was prepared very well. The, the crew that Dave Sr. assembled was second to none. And to go out and do what they did in two years and really even more magnified by the fact that Conium in 77 had maybe half a season in the car before that classic. It was... It was amazing, honestly. And it gave Kemp Dates his only classic win as a car owner. He could never win it as a driver. And I always, I really hate that. He should have had that race. But, but, but Dave McKnight was, that team was immaculately run. Tremendous leadership there. Um, why they were only there two years, I'm not sure. It would have seemed like you've got a head of steam. 79 rolls around, but for whatever reason, Dave just felt that, you know, he wanted to continue. So they sold the car. I think somebody from Texas bought it. And um, and that was it. And it's it's kind of ironic that Dave's decision not to continue you you could probably make the case that 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 set up the, 
That set up the deal for Jimmy Champagne's rear engine to be banned or all rear engine cars to be banned because Warren Coney, if he was still driving Dave McKnight, would have been in that car. And maybe, you know, we still have rear engines racing in the Swiggo. Who knows? Um, but I, I, I know of no better tribute to Dave McKnight Sr. than t- to, to talk about the, the legendary accomplishment that he made in the racing world. I think he had a late model as well. Um, I remember there being something about Doug Heveron driving it once in Canada or was supposed to drive it. And I asked Doug about it later. I don't think he ever did, but um, it's uh, Dave was, Dave was big in racing, but you know, at a swiggle only for a short time, but boy, did he make an impact. And again, all great people in in that that operation they were a real credit and a real asset to a swing of speedway and super modified racing if only for an all too brief time so i will remember dave mcknight senior though i never knew him well personally i will remember him as a leader i will remember him as somebody who accomplished and really showed me, I look back at how he did that. He went and got the best people he could. He, he bought the best equipment he could. He spent the money in the right places. And man, he just, and again, he, they did it with, with great uh, dignity and, and sportsmanship and competition. I'll never forget the Canadian flag being unfurled during the Canadian anthem. I think it was 78. They did that. Um, that, that was just, it gave me chills as a fan that gave me chills. I love the Canadian anthem. Always have. I actually like it better than ours. I don't know why I should say that, but, but, um, may God bless and comfort Dave Jr. and the family and, and our deepest prayers and condolences, um, to them. We, we all will remember Dave McKnight Sr. for as long as we're here on this planet as as somebody who um, really gave us a lot of memories it, over a couple of years at the Speedway. And, and um, I know he was just a, a, a super nice man. And, and um, I wish somebody I wish I could have sat down and had a good conversation with um, at some point as an adult to really hear from him how he did that. But um we did get to talk to Dave Jr. and I will dig that interview out and we will put that out next week for those who haven't heard it or maybe missed that show. Um, we're going to bring back a couple of the older shows next week. So we'll put them out as, um, you know, as, as uh, what do they call it? Throwback Thursdays or whatever. We'll just uh, put them out as flashbacks. So um, again, uh, may God bless Dave McKnight Jr. and the family. Dave McKnight Sr. passed away this morning. Okay, so let's talk about what's in a number. Um, 24 is the number, and this is, a, this is an interesting number because I feel like um, this is a number that has all of the... <laughs> this has all the, the, the... These numbers that there aren't many, but, you know, like more recently, even sometimes I miss somebody today. I missed Jason Spaulding, who runs the 23 today. Um and of course, uh, Jason runs in the 350 class, but 
um that car ran in the in the um in the super modified class at one point uh or or uh i should say um jason's car did i don't know if it was the same car but um you know and that was just a you know a number of years ago not not too long ago but that's what happens because i'm not there every week and even though i watch them all it just doesn't you don't retain it, it like you do if you're there in the grandstand you're talking to everybody um and interacting with everybody so i i hate that um so sorry jason definitely not uh <laughs> Not meaning to have left you out there, but um, I think that was the only one I missed, according to Larry, uh, was Jason Super and um, and then now, of course, the the uh, 350. Um, 24. I'm going to start with Tony Lovati. Uh, and again, for those of you, again, it was your first show. I started going in 1973, so anything from the 60s has to be a huge memory for me or I have to have seen it in a program. Because I wasn't there. <laughs> I wasn't even on the planet till uh, late 67. Um, Tony Levati drove a number 24, I think it was in 1973 or 72, one or the other. And I'm only going to guess because Tony was forever back then running um, four-wheel drives, rear engines. So I'm going to guess this was either a height car or a Gibson car. Because um, Todd and Tony were, did, did some stuff together. Back in those days. Um, so that's the first one that comes to mind. The next one is, I think the following year, and again, um, I think it was a height car. I don't think it was the same car Tony drove, but I believe it was 1974 that Butch Harris from Texas came to Oswego, and it might have been his first appearance at the Speedway. I'm not sure. But I don't rem- I don't remember that I saw him before he before that that weekend. And this was my first classic, by the way, in 74 that I went to. Um, and there was, he he ended up in a butch ended up in a multi-car pileup and caught fire. I think Chuck Siprich in the Tobin car was involved. And I want to say maybe uh, John Theodoro. In the 73 might have been in it. And I think maybe Freddie Graves, who was back in the uh, Corb 37 for that classic, I think. Um, that would have been the year that I, I believe that would have been the year that he crashed his uh, rear engine car and demolished it. He and Warren Conium had a, a horrendous crash um, into the turn one wall. And I think that was the one that destroyed that beautiful ex Mario Andretti indie rear engine car. Um, and so I think Freddie was in the 37, but Butch, uh, I don't think anybody was injured, but uh, that was a bad fire. And that, that classic was my first classic. It ended under caution. And I don't think it was that wreck that did that. I think there was another wreck with just like, I don't know, six to go or something, a spin or whatever, and they ended in under, oh, I hate that. I always have. Um, Jimmy Champagne won, which was awesome because he was my guy. Um, and I had a terrible earache. That's why I remember, I, again, the things you remember, I remember that I just had my left, it was my left ear. I had a terrible earache in my left ear. And... um I remember that 
just as the the last couple laps were going by, we my father took me kind of down to the. They had payphones back then. For those of you youngins who don't know what a payphone is, look it up. You used to have to put a dime or a quarter in to make a call. <laughs> now you just pay your your phone company um, too much money every month to 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 use the phone for free. Um, but uh, and and he you know he called mom to to come get us. Uh, she had dropped us off for some reason. She must have had something that she needed the car for that night. But anyways, uh, I remember being out there uh, waiting for her to show up. And um, and and then we went home and I don't know, but I but I, I just remember having a really bad earache at the end of that race. I don't know why. So. Um, let's see the next 24. I remember there was a guy named George Glick. And I think he was a driver as well as an owner, but I'm not sure. I I remember the car. It was an orange. And again, here's the pattern height car. I think it was a height car, rear engine car. And um, I don't know that George drove it. I think uh, I want to say that Mark Letcher tried it, maybe. And maybe Bobby Stelter tried it. And even maybe Baldy Baker might have. No, I don't think. I think Baldy was in the sixth that year, so I guess he wouldn't have. But I think um, I think both um, Letcher and Stelter drove it Classic Weekend, and neither one of them can put it in the show. Um, but I remember that car, and I'm pretty sure it was 24. The other 24 from that period that comes to mind, and I think I got to back up a year because I think this was sort of sandwiched. This would have been before Harris and before Glick was Bill Rouse. Bill was a Canadian, I think. And um, I think he drove for somebody. Uh, I don't think it was his car. I think he was just the driver. It was, uh, it had a little, you know, it was it was sort of a thing back then that a lot of guys had little, I call them roofs, but little tops on the, on the roll cages. Um, they weren't flying card tables, mind you. That was Bentley in 76. <laughs> But they were just, you know, you had the cage and you just had a little top on it. Um, now, the 71 that Ray Sand drove back then, the Austin Brothers car had a bit of a card table-ish type deal on the top. Um, but um, this one was just a little top over the cage, over the opening of the cage. And I think it was yellow, yellow 24. It was Bill Rouse. So that would have been 73. I think Harrison, 74. Glick had his car in 75. I don't even know the credit as the driver, but, you know, I think because it was shared, I think. And I don't know how much that ran. I think it might have been just the classic. And I don't recall another 24 in the 70s. There may have been. I can't think of one right offhand the next one that comes to mind for me is one of the many capper cars mike kapazinski built the most beautiful race cars and the thing that i really miss one of many things i miss about the quote-unquote good old days is that 
now we have somebody sit at a computer, design a scheme for the car, and then print a wrap. And you just wrap the car. I understand that somebody still needs to be a good designer and, you know, kind of that, that design skill, clever skill with art and color layout and all that. But I'm sorry, it just doesn't look as good as it used to with the painters. People like Kathy Joya were just, and she still is, um, that just, it gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. And, um, Capper used to hand paint his cars and he would, he, he was left-handed. So he had to do it backwards. Think about that. He was just an incredibly talented designer fabricator. Um, and very good friend of mine. I just, I, I still miss him. I, I, you know, we, he would call me when I lived in Ohio, he'd call me, we'd talk for hours sometimes just about racing and about whatever Danny Kay was doing at the time, you know, quarters or carts or whatever. And, uh, you know, just, uh, just a really great guy. Um, but, uh, that car 24 that I'm thinking of, I believe originally was AJ Michaels. AJ drove for Capper at the beginning of a, a season. I'm trying to remember which year it would have been. I'm go, I'm thinking it's 82 or 83. That's what's coming to my head. And so AJ won a heat race with the car. And actually that, and then it wasn't long after that, that AJ left the ride for another one. I don't, AJ kind of ride hopped a bit back in those days and I don't remember where he went. He might have went from the 24 to Ralph McLaughlin's 48, or it might have been to the Herb Graf car, or it might have been to the, I think I think he drove from McLaughlin, then Graf, then Wissing in the four. I think that's how it might have went. And then ended up, obviously, um, his last drive was with Ron Mucci in the Mucci car. Um, but uh, when AJ drove that capper car, it went. And, and, uh, that was a good car. I believe that, um, Tony Pafumi was the guy that took over for AJ and then maybe Joe Hawksby drove it a bit too. I'm not sure. Joe drove for Capper at, at several different times and they had different numbers. I think there was an 04 and a 24 and a then 22, which was Joe's number. And I don't even remember. Capper used a number of different numbers back then. But um but that I I that was a beautiful blue and he had several of those. He had it was kind of I always thought of it as Capper blue. Um you know, several cars with that base color and just lots of other and like I said he did them all himself. It would just a man. Um there's really no way that you ever give Mike Kapazinski the respect he probably deserves. It's just how do you spend enough time talking about paint schemes and, and <laughs> you know, and all that? Because really, that's what you got to get into. And of course, Danny Kay has had a great career, um, you know, working at the track and driving at the track and winning at the track and all of that. Uh, but um, from that 24, oh boy. Um, where do we go from there? So that would have been early 80s. And I, here again, I know there had to be somebody at some point. Oh, Mike Brubaker. 
Mike Brubaker um, was the 24 car, and that would have been what year? He bought uh, the Dates car from Joe Paino. Uh, that was 84, maybe? So that would have been right after Capper's. Uh, Mike Brubaker ran his 24 when he first started. And he sold that car to Bill McDonald, and that chassis is now owned by Larry Trinka. Um, and if you missed all of that, how Larry bought that car and the whole story, just go back a few episodes of The Groove, and uh, Larry and I talked about it. But um, Brubaker was the next 24, and still that beautiful green that Pino had, that Meeks had, and then he sold it, bought a Kemp Dates chassis. No, bought a, um, he bought the Lou Bannister show car next, I think, right? Um, and that was green. And then I think he sold that one. I don't even know to whom, but but when he was done with that, I think he he bought a Graves car. And that's when he changed to 19, Excuse me. And I don't know if there was another 24 when, which is why Brubaker changed or what. I'm not sure. But uh, Mike was 19. And then I think, didn't he have, uh, didn't he end with a 36? Wasn't that one of those CNC chassis that Mike Satursky built? Beautiful orange car, wasn't it? 36? So I'm not sure kind of why the whole number thing all happened with Mike, but. Um, but he was 24. And then the next one that comes to mind, and I might be missing one in between, but is Russ Brown. When he made his debut, I want to say it was 1994. He made his debut uh, in the Supermodified division after running in the limited class for a couple of years, doing really well there. Um, moved up to the Supers just for a year. But... He was the number 24. That was a beautiful car. Um, oh, man. Uh, Brownie ran, like I said, for a year. I don't remember where that car went. Was that maybe the car that Skip McKenzie bought? Out of Canada? Wasn't Skip a Canadian? Eh? Uh, <laughs> I, think he, I think that might have been the car that he bought and made it 21. I'm not sure. Um, I'm taking a really wild guess there. Where do we go from here with a 24? Um, boy, I, I'm going to get in trouble because there's going to be a recent one and I'm forgetting it, but that's what Larry Trick is good for. Um, my long-term memory is way better than my short-term memory these days. And, um, I am not thinking of another 24, uh, right off the bat. So I'm just, I'm going to stop there and, you know, let, let y'all pick up on that. I probably am missing a more recent one, but, um, but that's, like I said, that's one of those numbers. It hasn't been used super often, but, um, there are definitely some stories there, you know, and, and some people behind those numbers and, you know, at those different times, Brownie's career at Oswego's legendary, uh, he's one of the best to ever sit in a limited slash SPS super. Um, and 
uh, had he had more time in the big blocks, I know that he would have been a champion because he had the talent. I'm not sure if it was money that that kept them from continuing on or, you know, exactly what was going on at that point. I don't remember, but uh, only ran for a year and um, in a very competitive era, too. But um, Russ was real talented. And then you start looking at, like I said, the story of A.J. Michaels and A.J. being connected to the Capra car and winning winning a heat race in that car. I remember that distinctly. It, it might have been opening day, actually, of whatever year that was. So maybe 82 or 83. Um, and and you start looking at, you know, the stories I told before in the about in the 70s, you know, the George Glicks uh, with, you know, Stelter and, and, and Bobby Stelter and Mark Letcher get in your car and neither of them can make it to, into the classic. There's something wrong with the car. <laughs> And I'm not being disrespectful. It's just those guys, those guys are two of the best to ever sit in a super in a swiggo. And, and if they can't get your, your, your car in, it's not fast enough. Something is wrong there. Um, and of course, Bill Rouse, uh, you know, for a year from Canada. And, and I was thinking the other day, how many Canadian competitors have there been in the history of the Speedway? And this is where I'm going to just sort of leave this show off. How many Canadian super modified competitors? Because I don't know if we've had, did we, if we had Canadians that have run other, I mean, modifieds, but like, do we have any in the, we had limited. We probably have. Um, I'm probably being a nut. Probably had somebody in the SBS, haven't we? Um, Mark Van Gluven. There's one. He was in the SBS, right? I think they were limited then. <laughs> um, should still be called that. Um, but that's just my opinion. Um, and I don't know if there were anybody else besides him that, that ran in that, that class. Um, 350s. Do we have a Canadian 350? I don't know if we do. So... How many Canadian competitors have raced at the Oswego Speedway? There were a couple of the modifieds. I think Dick LaPan was Canadian back in the, the 70s, 80s. And, and Dave Lee, I think, was also a Canadian. The 57 car, um, Guy, uh, Guy Chartrand, Jean Guy Chartrand um, in the Hemi, Hemi uh, Cuda 69 for Ed Close before Jimmy Champagne took it over. Um but how many Canadian super modified competitors have raced at Oswego? I'm going to say there had to have been 40 or more somewhere. I'm going to put the number somewhere between 40 and 50. And no, I have not counted. I've not done any research. I'm just, you know, off the top of my head, I'm going to guess 40 to 50. Maybe there may be more. Um, unfortunately, not as many anymore only a, only a couple now uh but um how many canadians so there's something for you to think about um and maybe somebody will get the list together before i can and that's fine we'll just um we'll talk about it if somebody beats me to the list um we'll then then we'll use we'll give them credit and, and we'll just discuss the list because that would be a fun topic to sort of chew on for a while Always loved the Canadian competitors, still do. Um, okay, so we'll we'll uh, wrap things up with that, and uh, hope you enjoyed this show. I know it went a little longer than 
Um, I certainly uh, prefer two. I like to keep them to an hour, hour and a half. This one's probably two um, or two and a half by the time we're done here. But um, we got more content coming up next week for Classic and uh, excited about that. Um, So much going on here that I can't wait to tell you about. Uh, And I hope that you'll all uh, take part in when it comes by because um, it's it's some of it's really just really cool stuff. Um, and we can do, you know, a lot with the supers with, uh, content with it. So, um, we'll, uh, we'll kind of talk about that as it gets closer until then, um, hope championship night goes well. Let's all pray for safe and clean and exciting racing. And let's all say a prayer for the McKnight family for strength and comfort, uh, as they, uh, start to process losing Dave McKnight senior, uh, his, his time at the speedway will live on forever, both in the record books and also in our hearts. And, um, if Dave is still able to come over with Gary Morton to run the classic, uh, just praying that he can have a great race. I know he will be racing in, in, in memory of his dad and, um, would certainly pray for, uh, an amazing race for that team. They had a great run last year. Hopefully they would have another one this year if they decide to run. Uh, And so everybody enjoy your weekend. Be safe and God bless. Until next time, I'm Tom Baker. So long. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Thank you for listening.